Welcome to the Channel for Grace Uncut podcast. This is a deep dive into my life, my stories, my experiences, the things that I love to talk about, the things that inspire me, and my thoughts and observations about the world. This is a podcast where you'll mostly find me sharing myself uncensored, but where you will also meet amazing guests and hear about topics that will inspire you to keep learning, to keep searching for your truth, and to guide you to be unapologetically you. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. I am so excited today to do this very special type of episode. I've never done an episode like this before, but I have a feeling that this may turn out to be like a series of episodes where I cover the astrology of famous people that I think would be so interesting to know about. So who we're going to cover today is Dolores Cannon. And you guys know I've been diving into her uh, books and, you know, what she's teaching and, you know, quantum healing, um, hypnosis therapy, and on the amazingness and the power of all her work and what she really brought to the world. Now, we know Dolores Cannon passed away. I believe it was 2017, but don't quote me on that. But she is still around because she left this beautiful legacy for us to take it to the next level as starseeds, as lightworkers. She's really, for me, been an inspiration. I've read her books and I'm just amazed at how powerful of an impact she's had on the world. And she was like this normal lady, you know, from, I think she was born in, uh, in St. She's born in St. Louis, Missouri. And she was just this like normal kind of like kind of housewife, a military wife. And her and her husband would, you know, they they started doing um, these uh, past life regressions to help people uh, get rid of like bad habits like smoking and, and, and weight gain and all that stuff. And it started very simple. And what ended up happening is they started to realize that the, the people, I think it was this one lady, her first book is called five lives remembered. I think that's her first book, but that was the first time where someone that they were regressing regressed into a past life. And so the book is all about the five lives that this woman regressed back into and the fact that that was her first experience with past lives and karma and all that stuff. And it really opened up her mind and her curiosity because one of the things that I feel that she was so good at was tapping into like information. And it seems like her books is just jam-packed with such amazing information about, you know, karma and past lives and, and healing and what past life regression can really do for you. And I remember one of the books I read of hers called uh, Keepers of the Garden, uh, where she actually has uh, a, a young man who regresses into a past life 
on another planet. And that just totally like opened up a whole new wormhole for her. And she, as she continued doing her work, she basically was able to um, tap into what she calls the subconscious. And the subconscious is um, the, it's like the essence of us that has all of the information. It's like the Akashic records. So she was starting to tap tap into this energy and it really like revolutionized. And the more she did, and I mean, she did thousands and thousands of past life regressions with people, worked on thousands and thousands of people, and she witnessed instant healings right in front of her eyes. And it was something that just, you know, blew her mind, but it gave her so much trust in the fact that she was doing exactly what she's supposed to be doing and, and allowing it to really unfold in the way that it was supposed to unfold. Eventually in her past life regressions, she started to tap into, like, I think she calls the super conscious or the super subconscious. And this was like the voice that would come through and actually give her straight information about how the earth was seated about what we're doing here what happened what derailed the whole plan that earth is basically this like experiment in the universe and we created it this way and and we we made it into this game where we would forget you know who we were when we incarnated and we would go through these fun you know adventures and somehow somewhere along the line something went wrong and we got lost and people have been getting stuck um, in karma, in the karmic cycles. And so she started to figure out a, a method in throughout her work and throughout her regression that would help people heal um, things that they would maybe carry on from a past life, things that they carried over, um, even just from early in childhood in this lifetime that they're still holding on to. She found this beautiful way to unravel what's underneath the layers of like that, you know, the things we don't want to see and the things that are just, you know, facing our fears. And she found a way to bring it to light and to release it and, and literally witnessed miracle healings in front of her. And so her work is focused on healing. Her work is focused not just on healing, but on quantum healing. So at a level where if you want to let that go right now, you can let it go. It's like really a choice of like, it's here now and it's gone tomorrow, you know? So it's amazing to watch, you know, uh, her, her life, and her legacy that she left for us, for all of us starseeds and what she calls, you know, the three waves of volunteers that are here to help what I feel my kind of interpretation of it is to help um, usher in the Aquarian age and bring in the light and anchor the light and anchor, you know, all the dimensions into this time space reality to help in the ascension and in the awakening of humanity and me as an astrologer everything that Dolores Cannon basically did and all her work that she like brought to the world matches what the astrology says right we're entering the age of Aquarius it's a whole new beginning it's a whole new energy it's a whole new chapter and we are literally connecting um, to a, a new world is arriving and she did talk about the split 
of the collective. I've been talking about this a little bit too in my YouTube um, channel and my YouTube videos, which if you don't know, I have a YouTube channel called Channel for Grace. You're welcome to join us there. Um, but basically I've been, I've been talking about this split. A lot of people have been talking about the split where some people are choosing to stay in the 3D and some people are choosing to move on to the higher dimensions like 5D and above. And I've, I see this and I feel this like literally embody and feel what it feels like to actually see the split happening. I see it in my family. It's wild to witness how drastic of a separation is happening with humanity. And for those of us that feel like we're awakened, we are healers. We're here to anchor the light. We're here to step into service and bring in the Aquarian age, usher it in so that we can transcend and transform and open up the full gifts that we were born here to channel into this three-dimensional time-space reality to go back to the ancient civilizations like Atlantis and Lemuria, but this time do it in a way more aware, way more conscious way, like taking it to the next level of consciousness for humanity. And many planets in the universe have gone through this ascension process. And we are, you know, I think we're a young species here on earth. The humanity is a young species and there's many, many other uh, souls that are ancient, ancient, ancient souls um, been doing this for eons, but this is like a fun experiment, right? For the universe. And so when we tune into that, when I personally tap into that, I literally feel the, the power of that. Like there is no doubt in my mind that this is the truth and that we are waking up to the truth. So going over Dolores Cannon's basic birth chart is something that I, I was playing around with maybe like a couple of weeks ago and looking at, I wonder if you could see somewhere in her chart, some of these qualities that she literally brought to the world. Cause you can tell that woman was straight up living in her magic, living her mission, like doing exactly what she was supposed to do. She was a master of quantum healing. And she found out about it by literally trial and error. So you can tell she was like a stickler for doing it, the method, the way that she had been, you know, taught to do it because she had a lot of help from her spirit guides, angels, teacher, the subconscious, the superconscious, like all of these entities, benevolent entities were here to help her, you know, channel she was a channel. She says she's not a channel, but she really did facilitate the channeling of these energies through her clients and through the people that she worked with. So it's just amazing. And I'm, I'm excited to go over her chart. And I want to thank you guys for listening to this episode. And I think you're really going to enjoy it. You're really going to get a kick out of it. So before I go into her natal chart, I am going to go, I'm going to kind of do what I normally do with a basic birth chart reading, which you can purchase on my website, uh, channelforgrace.guru. This shows you like the basic aspects of your personality here on earth. So we're talking about this lifetime, although we do get insight into past lives with the, with the nodes, we mostly talk about like your incarnation here on earth and your like destiny and mission here on earth in this life. There's another type of reading that I do, which is a starseed ancestry reading, which looks at the cosmic perspective of your soul. And that is 
is like a whole nother level of looking at your natal chart. I see in Dolores Cannon's chart, some epic starseed markings. And I'm, but, but what I wanted to focus on with this, this podcast is to show you the basic aspects of her personality and how she embodied them in her life and understand her on an astrological level. And then in a future episode, I might do her like starseed ancestry reading for you guys. So you can see her connections to um, starlight and star families. And I will tell you towards the end of this podcast, some of those markings, when once we get through the basic stuff of her astrology chart, uh, what they are to give you a little bit of a, um, a preview of some of the things that I would talk about and cover if I was looking at her starseed ancestry reading. So let's dive right on in. So Dolores Cannon was born on April 15th of 1931 at 2 p.m. in St. Louis, Missouri. And she was born with her son in Aries, her moon in Aries, her Venus in Pisces, and her rising sign was Virgo. She had Taurus at her midheaven at the cusp of her 10th house, and Jupiter Jupiter in Cancer. Those are some of the main points. Her nodes were South Node Libra, North Node Aries. With her sun and the moon in Aries, this means that she was born either right, right before um, a new moon or very close to um, a new moon. Just The moon was just moving into the sign of Aries because she's got moon at zero degrees of Aries, and it was getting ready to conjunct um, her North Node and her Uranus, uh, and that was the transiting Uranus at the time, as well as the, the Sun. So she was born on an epic new moon day, and I think if I, if I, yes, I actually think that she was born during an eclipse. I would have to, <laughs> that's wild. I would have to go back in time and check that out. I didn't actually, this just now came to me. I did not notice this before when I was looking at her chart, but I think she was born during a, right around the time of a new moon solar eclipse in Aries with Uranus right there in the middle with the North, North node eclipse. So that would mean that she's like a revolutionary rebel to shake things up and that's her destiny. So just right away, wow, like that just hit me and I'm not going to be able to relax until I figure it out. So I'm actually going to um, look at um, the chart right now and I want to go a few hours ahead to see when um, when was this new moon that happened. So if you guys just give me a few seconds here to go through and put the moon at, um, okay, so it was 26 degrees of Aries was the moon and that happened um, on April 17th. So she was born on the 11th. So she was born like a couple of days before that new moon, a few days before that new moon. Um, let me actually go back over here. So, so two days before like that eclipse happened, but right there during the time, it was a strong energy, right? It was like, it was a dark moon too for an eclipse. So the very, very powerful energies just right away looking at her chart. So she, so her son in Aries, what does it mean? 
the sun in Aries can be assertive, aggressive, a leader, very dynamic, pioneering, right? Confident, a risk taker, sometimes impatient, very energetic, adventurous, a daredevil. That's not, she's very daredevilish to me, sometimes selfish and very action oriented. The biggest challenge for the sun in Aries is impulsiveness, impatience, and limited follow through. But of course, I think she mastered that because she definitely followed through with everything that, um, that she began. She has her son in the ninth house. So having the son in the ninth house literally screams spiritual teacher. Knowledge is uh, your main motivation in life with the sun in the ninth, you learn something new every day and you desire to learn more and more. Imagine that. Oh my God, that matches so perfectly her personality. She couldn't get enough of it. So she kept going and going and going. Um, sun in the ninth means that um, you may be drawn to higher education as a life goal, and you will focus on the spiritual in whatever way it shows up in your life. You might also find yourself drawn to traveling the world. Get out. She totally, she did all of this, you guys. She totally traveled the world. She totally was on a spiritual path. She was learn. She was like learning, but like in the most like wild and unique way you could ever imagine learning. And that's sun conjunct Uranus, which she has in her chart, like the most unique individual you could ever imagine. She's doing it in this, in her way, which no, like no one else did it. You know, she was like the only one that's so powerful. So that's what it means to have the sun in Aries and also in the ninth house. Now her moon is also in the sign of Aries with, I will say this, that born being born right before a, a new moon solar eclipse in Aries means that her life is really about planting seeds, setting intentions. Um, it's, it's about potentials. It's about dreams. It's about the future is about, you know, wanting to create or manifest, um, you know, moving forward. Like the, she came in with this powerful energy of like, it's a revolution. Um, new moon in Aries conjunct Uranus, which is the case. And this was a, a solar eclipse which I'm, I'm channeling it as this, but, but cause it really feels, but I'd have to go into like my, you know, Google and see if there was a solar eclipse in, in 1931 on May, on April 17th, you guys might want to go research that and, and, and tell me in the comments of, you know, the podcast and the, the reviews uh, or wherever else you want to contact me. You can also contact me through the anchor app and let me know if that's actually the case that that was an eclipse, because if it is, this means that this is a revolutionary like soul that came in flying right through to change the world and to initiate something that was literally never done before. So what does her moon in Aries represents, represent? The moon in Aries is the initiator of emotions. It can sometimes be impulsive and get easily angry, but it also likes to have fun and be independent and adventurous. Moon in Aries is also courageous and confident, energetic and ambitious. A person with Moon in Aries needs to feel independent and feel free to feel safe in the world. There is an intense masculine and aggressive aspect 
to this moon since it is ruled by Mars, which is the god of war. Um, and so this person, <laughs> Dolores Cannon, and I can see this because I, in watching some of her videos, you can tell, um, could have had a, you know, um, could have been hot tempered, but had a parent or a caregiver that may have been hot tempered, independent or courageous, someone who encouraged her to be independent or someone who she felt maybe uncomfortable getting close to because they were so fiery, but like she herself embodied this energy very, very strongly. Now, wherever the moon is in your chart is the place where the most fluctuation is going to be the most change, the most, you know, flow, the most things that the most instability that you're going to see in your life. And her moon is in the eighth house, which is um, the house of basically death, change, and transformation. So being in the eighth house, the moon experiences a depth of feeling and emotion that most people would not be able to handle. This makes sense. She dealt with a lot of people coming to her with some crazy stories. Death, change, and transformation are familiar energies to you. You're not afraid of them. Wow. Talk about past lives and guiding people through like deaths in a past life so they can, you know, get to the other side and heal. Um, you care deeply and passionately about those you love. Oh my God. Money matters, especially those related to money given to you or gained from outside sources fluctuate. It is important with the moon in this placement that you share the wealth that you receive. And I'm sure that she has. She feels like that kind of a soul. Having the moon in the eighth house means that your life's purpose needs to be lived out by learning how to share resources. Wow, that's exactly what she did. Like the knowledge that she received was a resource that she eventually shared when she started doing her trainings to teach people how to do what she does. Um, having the moon in the eighth house also um, uh, basically means how to, you know, how to give what you've got, learning about how to give what you've got, how to receive what you need and how to produce work with others. Whoa, that's very powerful. When we look at her, let's look at her rising sign. So the rising sign tells us what planet rules her chart as well as how she, you know, how she sees the world or in general, like how you see the world. And so Dolores Cannon was a Virgo rising. And uh, with a Virgo rising, you know, she saw the world through the eyes of the Virgin, who understands the purest form of divinity, and who knows her mission to serve humanity. I can't even make this stuff up, you guys. Um, her chart was ruled by Chiron. Mercury is the traditional ruler of Virgo, but so we're going to say Mercury and Chiron. So Mercury, the mind, her critical investigative focus on the freaking details, like that was Dolores, like all up in there. That was her Mercury energy. And then the Chiron, which according to Barbara Hanclaw, Chiron rules the sign of Virgo. Her Chiron was, she was the, the teacher, like the wounded healer, you know, the golden healer, the one who um, literally uh, allowed uh, herself to be that, um, the, like the representative, like the teacher of, you know, the embodiment of straight up like healing 
um, in the world. And that, that is like, wow, that's, that's amazing. I will also throw a little, a little star seed energy here. Um, and the fact that her Virgo rising was at zero degrees of Virgo, which is exactly on a star called Regulus, who is the heart of the lion the most loyal of the stars connected to Archangel Raphael, which is the angel of healing. I am, I am, I'm like tripping over here, <laughs> like going through this chart. I've never gone in, gone through it in this much detail. She also has Pallas Athena in Virgo in her first house. And Pallas Athena is the warrioress and the goddess of wisdom. And she's also at zero degrees. So it was like, she was going to fight for this. She fought for what she believed in and she believed in healing, like the healing of the people and the pure, pure divine connection to God that we can all, she embodied this herself in her chart. So that's amazing. So that's her sun, her moon and her rising. I mean, so far there's so much information that's just blowing my mind. So let's go, let's hop on over to uh, her Venus. So she was born with Venus in Pisces, which is a really beautiful energy. Venus in Pisces is actually in an exalted position. So she feels really good here. Venus was in her seventh house, but Venus in Pisces um, is very sensitive and romantic, idealistic, can feel very lonely without a partner. And I know her husband was with her for a long time, um, although he did end up having a very difficult, um, an accident that caused him a lot of, you know, pain. And I think maybe he became paralyzed after the accident, but he was, he, he hung in there, you know, with her for a long time, but she was very independent, right? Her Aries energy was very much independent. Um, with Venus in Pisces, you desire to love and dream about love and are very affectionate and compassionate. I can definitely see this. She was very affectionate and compassionate with the people that she worked on, her clients. You're also very a very sentimental soul who remembers every first date, every first kiss, your first romantic moment. And the thing about Venus and Pisces is you just can't get lost in it. You can't get lost in, sometimes you can get lost in an illusion. So you just have to watch out for that. Um, but she was very, very realistic. So I don't think that she had like any, you know, difficulty with that at all. Her Venus was in her seventh house and Venus in the seventh house puts her in um in her home house so she's in pisces exalted in the seventh house where she rules so she's very strong here dolores cannon was a people person it was like a magnet that attracted people to her and this is in terms of romance personal relationships business relationships it's like venus brings you good luck here and dolores cannon definitely had it um, Venus in the seventh means that you're not going to like being alone ever and partnership and companionship is the most important thing to you in terms of relationships. And you also focus so much on relationships that you become lost 
or can become engulfed in them and you lose yourself in them. I think for her, this was a, this was a good thing. <laughs> she got lost, you know, in her work, she got lost in her, in the relationships that she created. And I think for her, this was a really beautiful thing in her chart. She also has Venus trining Jupiter and Jupiter and Venus are the two benefics that when they make harmonious connections with each other, they activate harmony and abundance and good luck, you know? in a chart. So that's the sun, the moon, the Venus, and the rising. So I want to talk about her nodal axis and see what we can, what we can get and understand from um, her nodal axis. So the nodes are very important in a chart. Uh, what they represent is the south node is the karmic connections. It's past life energies. It's what you've experienced. It is your gift that you came into this world with. And the North node represents something that's a little bit outside of your comfort zone. However, it is also where you're supposed to move towards. We're supposed to move towards the North node. This is how we um, step into purpose, life purpose, destiny, mission. And depending on what houses the nodes are in, this gives you even more information. So Dolores had South Node Libra, North Node Aries. So her life purpose was to learn to be independent and free, to not be afraid to take action in her life, to focus on herself and to explore new horizons. <laughs> like what? She had to learn to also depend on herself and on her own skills. Wow. That could mean why her husband. So in the beginning, her and her husband were, they worked together in, in, in the, in regression, but then eventually he kind of, he lost the desire because he went into like deep depression because of his accident. But she, so that happened. So he kind of got moved out of the way so that she could explore new horizons herself. The Aries energy is about independence. And so that she could learn to depend on herself and her own skills. With the Libra South Node in a past life, she may have been too engulfed in relationships, too enmeshed, and too codependent. So identifying herself with her relationships felt really comfortable, but it kept her from reaching out towards her North Star. Um, it kept her from being free and having new experiences all on her own. So the Aries North Node is about discovering who you are. So she, she was discovering who she is. And, you know, your identity outside of how your relationships define you and that, wow, that really unfolded, I think, for her in her life when her husband had the accident and couldn't do the work anymore, but she continued and she was the one who started, you know, with her tenacity, she was the one who started to get these powerful um, messages in her life. Now, she also has um, South Node in the second house and north node in the eighth house in this you know in her airy stellium with the the sun uranus and, and the moon um it's all there in the eighth house um her sun is actually in the ninth but the the stellium is mostly in her eighth so north node in the eighth is like having north node in scorpio and south node in the second is like having south node in taurus so what this adds more meaning to her nodal 
axis. So with North Node in the eighth house, her life purpose is also to learn to live life to the fullest, to dive right into things and explore the depths of possibilities, to indulge in the dark pleasures of life and to surrender to learning from your dark side. Scorpio North Node or Scorpio in the eighth house asks you, to step out of your comfort zone like never before. Talk about that. To explore the realms of the unknown and the darker side of life. Oh my God. So you're in essence being asked to make peace with your inner scorpion. Whoa, your dark side. And in a past life with the South Node in the second house, you had a lot of security. You focused on the material side of things. You desire to be surrounded by the comfortable, but in this life, so maybe up until the point where she started receiving these wild, she started having these wild experiences with her clients. That is when the security ended and it was like the wild, wild west started right for her, because in this life, she will be surrounded by the uncomfortable because more than anything else, that Scorpio energy or, you know, the North Node in the eighth brings transformative change. And that is extremely unpleasant for someone who doesn't like change. So, wow. The, the fact about being surrounded by the uncomfortable is like no joke, but like she handled it like a pro, man. <laughs> I can't even believe this. So that's her nodal axis. And then her north node is conjunct Uranus and her sun and the moon is there. And she's also has Juno there, which is the asteroid of marriage and commitment. So this was like where she was committed. And it's Uranus and the north node is like, that's what I was talking about in the beginning, that revolutionary energy that does not allow for anything but like a whole new world and it's unexpected and it comes out of nowhere and it's just like wild and you can't stop it and it, it hits you like lightning. This was Dolores Cannon. That was her freaking destiny. She was a little light bringer, a Uranus, like little alien showing up here to earth to like shake things up. Wow. That is amazing. So we can look at her, her, her Chiron now. And she had Chiron and Taurus. So that's interesting because her south node is in the second house of Taurus. So Chiron in Taurus is about healing because Chiron is the wounded healer. Remember, her chart is ruled by Chiron. So this is a very important point to look at in her chart. Chiron and Taurus is about healing your insecurity about you like low self-esteem like you don't feel like you're good enough you don't know what your relationship to the material world is you're trying to figure out you're trying to find out what feels good in life and you're also healing your relationship with mother earth with the goddess you know this is a venus ruled energy and so she was like this beautiful kind of mother energy this nurturing energy and she was learning to heal that within herself and to accept that she really was uh, um 
although all of these crazy things were going on in her life, that she really was, you know, grounded and that she knew what she stood for and that, you know, she was not insecure, that she was, she gained confidence. That was her, her healing journey in life is to gain her confidence and know what her value system is and really hone it down and ground it down. And my God, did she do that? Because she was coming up with stuff that had never been talked about never been seen. I mean, she did a lot of, a lot of her books. One of the books is called the custodians, which is all about UFO encounters, you know, and people like seeing the ETs, right. Which she calls them the grays and having experiences of being abducted. I mean, like this was like, it's totally Uranus. Like, yeah, we're going to bring in like a blast from the future. And you're not going to like, un- you know, she had to come she was coming up with some wild stuff. And so that was part of the journey is she needed to own it. And very beautiful. Also with Chiron in the ninth, this was a spiritual experience for her. She had Mercury in Taurus, which I actually think is beautiful. I also have um, Mercury in Taurus and Mercury in Taurus is a very grounded. It's a, it's a grounded way of communicating it's a stable, it's a practical energy. So she did develop this practice. Her mind was very practical. Um, Mercury in Taurus also means that her thoughts are just the same, grounded, stable, and practical. So instead of jumping to conclusions, she observed and took the time um, with her thought processes. You ponder as much as possible, thoroughly analyze your thoughts. And once you come to a conclusion, then you bring it to the surface fully committed and determined to defend it. Holy moly. This was in her ninth house of spiritual integration and she was the teacher. She was teaching about this. This also means that you can be very stubborn to change your mind because once you set your mind up, it becomes rock solid. You cannot be pushed into making decisions or taking action. And if people try to, your intense temper will come out. So your thoughts and decision-making is focused on matters of finance and security, common sense and practicality, and you also have an, a powerful ability to focus and concentrate. Wow. Makes complete sense. Her midheaven, which is the cusp of the 10th house of career and life path, is in Taurus. So again, bringing attention to stability, connecting to Mother Earth, like she was here, she, her mission was here on Earth. Her mission was to find stability through this bringing in this kind of wild energy, this wild, um, new, innovative, futuristic, bringing information in and finding her independence through that. And she was to really channel that into her, that was her life path is to use that wild energy to bring her stability. And it did. She was like, steady, steady does it, you know? And that's how she showed up in the world. She also showed up as this very nurturing energy. She did have a very like mama, like mama bear kind of energy. And another little um, uh, sprinkle of starseed information here, her midheaven is actually on algal, which is the beginning of the Pleiades. So her life path was to basically um, channel the Pleiades, like like hold that energy, but it wasn't just the Pleiades. It's, it's on algal. Her, her midheaven is on algal, which is the star of Medusa, which is like learning how to, it's actually the, the, the Morrigan in Celtic astrology. It's like the triple goddess. 
and learning like the maiden, the mother and the crone and all of those things put together the journey of those things, moving through that, that was part of her life path. And another part of her path was to basically embody, but also um, be, be grounded and stable, even when she was maybe victimized in her life or treated unfairly, um, or, you know, accused of things that she didn't do. And I'm sure she's dealt with a lot of that. Um, but she was so, such a beautiful, you know, person. And I think a lot of people respected her for the fact, like how she did it. It's like, she never claimed that she was a channel. She just was the reporter. That's how she kind of, you know, kept herself in that place. It's like, I'm just reporting what I'm getting. And so you either believe it or not do what you want with it. But that's what I'm doing is I'm just reporting. So steady, grounded way of approaching her life got her to where she got to. Um, let's talk about her white moon Selena, which in a natal chart is the highest expression of your soul. Her white moon Selena is in the sign of Aquarius. <laughs> so the highest expression of her soul was Aquarian. And it was about ushering in the Aquarian age, bringing in the Aquarian vibes, um, prophetic energies, focusing on the future um, and focusing on the people. So very important there. And her Jupiter, this is where I really, this is where I noticed when I was looking at her chart is her Jupiter is in the sign of cancer. And it's actually another little starseed sprinkle here. Um, this is, it, it, her Jupiter was on the Sirius star system. So that's Egyptian vibes, that's goddess Isis vibes, that's mothering, nurturing energy vibes. And she, and in cancer, it meant that she was like very nurturing. And her Jupiter is also in her 11th house, which means that she was nurturing the people. She was nurturing the people that she worked with, the networks of people, her clients. Like she was the mother, like before anything else, she really loved and truly cared for the people that she worked with. And she was an advocate for the healing and, and for the people that felt confused in life, who were treated unfairly. You know, she even worked with some, some children, although she, she does say that working with children is not necessarily, you shouldn't do that because um, they're still, they're ha they haven't had that much of life. And so it's hard for them to understand adults have had much more experience and so they can make more connections and, and understand things obviously from a more, more mature way, but she did work with some children and she said that the children, there was nothing wrong with the children, you know, and it was mostly like the parents, like affecting them and, and, and forcing them to try to be something they were not, not allowing them to live their life that they chose, you know? And so she was a mother and she was very protective. Like she was very, very protective of her people. And that was her power too, because she did have Pluto in cancer in the 11th house. So Jupiter was magnifying her power, which was to nurture and be very protective of the people and how she, she, how she shared her gifts with the world were in a very nurturing way. Wow. Just wild. She has Mars in Leo. And Mars in Leo is a very fiery energy, the drive, right? Her drive was to shine bright. Her drive was to be seen. Her drive was to be loyal. And remember, she has she's a regular starseed. So her her heart, 
connection, the heart of the lion and the healing energy of Archangel Raphael really channeled through her work and her, the, how she took action in her life. And she also liked to have fun. Um, Mars in Leo is, is an energy of having fun. And it is also in the 12th house. So this has a Piscean energy. So she, her drive was also to connect to the divine, to connect to God, to connect to spirit, to connect to what she called the subconscious or the superconscious. And it was like part of what really got her excited, what helped her, you know, she wanted, when she wanted to take action, it was because she wanted to connect to a higher dimension, like her higher self. And that was always like in the backdrop of everything that she did. She has Neptune in the first house, which means that she she could seem like she was one thing, but she was something else, you know, because like when you look at her, like she's just this normal lady that was just doing her thing, but she was like so much more than that. And it's almost like there's something hidden in there. And I think for me, in my perception of it is that she was just epic soul that came through to really shake things up and, and she could really hide, you know, she kind of, she kind of hid that essence behind the, I'm just a little old lady, you know, doing my thing. And I'm just reporting, but really I'm just this epic soul, you know, that's what I think the Neptune in the first house. Um, and also made her very, very intuitive. So she, like I said, she was a master at the work that she did. So she was also very, very intuitive. Um, and I, I believe that that is everything that I wanted to talk about. She did have, okay, one more, one last thing. She did have Saturn in Capricorn in the fifth house. So Capricorn was actually intercepted in her fifth house and it contained her Vesta, which is the eternal flame, the keeper of the eternal flame, and then Saturn, and they were both in Capricorn. So really what she was here to do is to, to create a new legacy. And to that was her where her creative, her creativity was that was to create a system, a structure that would help like contain all of her creativity. And that's exactly her whole system. Her QHHT system is very structured, very like there's rules and there's a way to do it. And you got to do it this one. You can't skip this part or do this other thing. You got to do the whole thing, the way from A to Z. This is how it's done. So it's very, it was very structured, but it was also a very creative thing because no one had ever created anything like that before, right? Quantum healing, hypnosis therapy, right? No one had done that before. And she, she was like a pioneer in that, but it created a new legacy. And that's what I feel the Capricorn energy holds is a new legacy for humanity. And this is how she channeled her authority was like, this is how it's done. These are the rules. This is how you do it. And I will say that this is so synchronistic. I'm going to say one last thing is that, you know, I was planning on doing a completely different topic. Um, there was something else planned for today. And at the last minute, it was like, okay, what are we going to do? You know, there was something planned, but it kind of fell through. And it's like, okay, so what is the next episode that I'm going to release? And I've been talking about Dolores Cannon. And all of a sudden I thought, oh, what if I looked at Dolores Cannon's chart? What if I connect, you know, and, and do a reading for her and like put it on the podcast and do this episode? And it felt right. There was so many like strong yeses. 
And the last thing I'm going to leave you with is that Dolores Cannon was born with her son at 24 degrees of Aries. And this is actually blowing my own mind, is that this new moon, when this episode is being released, this new moon is happening at 22 degrees of Aries, which means that it would have been aspecting her son, her North Node, on, you know, on her Uranus, her moon, her Eris, her Juno, and it would have been activated. It's activating her, her, her purpose and her destiny. It would have been like highlighting and illuminating. And, and I feel like there's a message there for us listening right now. And it is that this is the new world that we are stepping into that Aries vibe, find your independence, find your courageous heart, your courageous spirit, and go out there in the world and make a freaking change. Go change the world. Go be innovative. Go trust your intuition. This is the beginning of a new powerful journey that we could never have imagined. The Sabian symbol for 22 degrees of Aries, where this new moon is happening at, is all about stepping into the unknown. And this is such a beautiful connection. And I am so glad that I listened to that intuitive hit of doing this episode and going over Dolores Cannon's basic birth chart, you know, so you can see the magic of astrology and the magic of Dolores Cannon and her legacy that she left us with and that you would be inspired on this new moon in Aries to do the same. I want to thank you guys so much for listening. Um, and I will see you again in a couple of weeks when we have our full moon and we release a whole new episode and channel a whole new different epic topic. Thank you everyone so much. And I will see you next time. Thank you so much for listening to the Channel for Grace Uncut podcast. If you loved this episode and this podcast, make sure you subscribe and leave a review. You can find me on MeWe and YouTube as at Channel for Grace, and you can discover a world of amazing offerings on my website. If you want to learn astrology, if you want to learn about what it means to discover your inner sacred feminine, if you're curious about how the current astrology is affecting you, if you want a private astrology reading, compatibility or tarot oracle readings, and if you're looking for sweet handmade zodiac themed jewelry and other designs, go to my website www.channelforgrace.guru. I will see you again on our next episode.